your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday, a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom in the studio with me this hour is Brian Sampson, the City of Lacrosse homeless coordinator. A couple days, I give you a couple days off before you had to come on. Uh, you you unveiled the plan, I guess. Pro, uh, Pathways Home Project, right? Is is Project part of the name, or is it just Pathways Home? Just Pathways Home. Pathways Home, and it's a five-year plan unveiled Monday, a coordination between both the city and the county, but then just about every anyone and everyone else uh, that could be involved should be involved in uh, helping end, can we say end homelessness? It seems like such a lofty goal to end homelessness, but is that like the straight up the goal? The goal is to reach functional zero, which is another way to measure ending homelessness. Ending homelessness altogether is unrealistic, but how communities measure that is by using the term functional zero, which basically means that we'll do everything we can to keep people in housing. It's a lot it's a lot easier and healthier to serve people in housing, but when people do slip into homelessness, their stay will be rare, brief, and then we'll quickly be able to move them on to housing. So really it's if you're homeless, it'll be rare and brief, and we are able to house more people every month than people who enter homelessness. That's how you measure yeah. functional zero. I mean, that makes sense. More in than out, so to speak, exactly. right? Yep. Pull that closer. So people, I think uh, you just have a soft voice, Brian. So, uh, or you could scream if you want. Um, 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you want to get in here, I should turn that on so we can text. If you have questions, the Pathways Home, you can you can check this out. Is this... Uh, through the county and the city website? Is it, is it uploaded there? Yep, yeah, you can find it on either, and then there's a website that's independent that you can go and see the entire plan. And it's, you know, it's digestible, I think. Sometimes you get these things, and they're 400 pages long, and it's like, oh, no. But this thing is um, this thing is digestible. I believe it's, I thought I, I, thought I saw it, 16 pages? 16 yeah. page, like, PDF? Um, and you guys unveiled this. So going into this, you and you started this, project um many months ago uh but you and you started as homeless coordinator for how long ago you think over two years ago it would have been november of 2022 so first off how so you came in right at like the homeless situation was pretty bad in lacrosse i think but like how bad is it like it's it, it's hard to quantify because if if there's 100 people homeless i don't, I don't know how bad that is do you, you almost have to compare it but then when everyone is doing, you know, every city and, and county is having troubles with this, then it, is it hard to compare? Because then you could compare it to your, yourself with other cities, but also you could compare it in time, like five years ago, obviously, and it's gotten worse. But could, how, how, how would you describe the homeless situation in Lacrosse? Yeah, so if you're just looking at it compared to Lacrosse in our history, it's it's the worst or one of the worst times that it's ever been. If we're using the coordinated entry list, which is like the housing prioritization list, if we're using that to measure it, it's as high as it's ever been. Specifically, the number of unsheltered individuals is records is a record high and has been now for a couple of years, which is really is where you hear a lot of community outrage, which is really kind of what prompted this plan. And just, it's not good to have your neighbors and your residents and people sleeping outdoors. So comparatively speaking, it's extremely high, whether you're looking at it um, compared to lacrosse's history or any other comparable city uh, across really Wisconsin as, or the nation. I, I know other cities are doing bad. Is lacrosse doing worse than, say, in Eau Claire? Or is Wausau compared to? I don't know. I know Eau Claire is always a good comparison. Maybe Green Bay seems like a little bit bigger, but I guess who are you comparing yourself to? 
if you re- do it that way. Yeah, so really we don't try to compare ourselves to any of the communities. It's really just focusing on lacrosse where we look at other communities as not how bad they're doing, but what are they doing well and what can we adapt that here mm-hmm. in lacrosse. So that's really the mindset. I think if you are going to look, I, I can't speak to all the communities, but our unsheltered population is higher than just about every comparable size city in Wisconsin, if not every city in Wisconsin. So that's really the one of the primary issues is we have a ton of people sleeping outdoors, sleeping in tents, sleeping in their cars, hide it wherever they can. And so that's really one of the biggest issues and one of the biggest shifts from the past in our community that we've seen over the last several years. Yeah. Anytime we do numbers, we always do like the per 100,000 to just kind of give you an, an idea of, um, and, and that number is pretty high because that would be, you could compare Milwaukee County and La Crosse County if you did the per 100,000 numbers and, and La Crosse is going to be higher than everyone else in that regard. You think? I would just have to make a guess on that. I don't okay. know everybody's Heard one, um, I don't know everybody's stats on that. Um, okay, so and and 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Brian Sampson is the City of La Crosse Homeless Coordinator. We're going to get into the the pro, uh, Pathways Home Project, uh, the five-year plan to end homelessness in, in La Crosse. Now, is it to end the homelessness in La Crosse County, in the City of La Crosse? Like, what is the scope? The scope is the city of La Crosse as a starting place, and then to be able to use this as a blueprint to apply to the county, to other municipalities and cities around the area, and then to continue to work our way regionally and up from there. But as a starting point, this plan specifically covers the city of La Crosse. All right, and we're going to get into it in a minute. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. Brian Sampson is in the studio with me this hour, 608-785-7914. Sampson is the city of La Crosse's homeless coordinator. Been doing that since about 2022. Is that what you said, right? About, yeah. Is this like the, so less than two years, I would say, right? Because we're in 2022. Then, then it must have been oh, 2021. Oh, it, maybe, it's been over two years. It's been over, oh, okay, over two years. Uh, and, and before that, you worked for the county. Um, I, I, how much have you learned over that, that span? Because you, you kind of have to, if you're going to work with homeless, the, the, I feel like the situations are so vast between the city with the cities, right. Uh, and then the people, like, I, I don't know, like what are, what are some of the bigger things you've learned? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is that you can't paint with a broad brush. There are certain strategies that we want to be able to put in place, but then at the end of the day, it comes down to coordinating those for individuals. You know, we can't just create one solution and expect everybody to adapt to that solution. It's coming up with multiple solutions to fit the diverse needs of people that are out there. I think that's been one of the most challenging circumstances. It's not like plopping everybody in a big building calling it a day and moving forward. It's really trying to figure out what are the unique needs of people that we're trying to serve in lacrosse and how do we address that moving forward? Sorry, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, throw those on because Joe's calling. I think Joe's question is kind of along those lines. Joe, go ahead. You're on with uh, Brian. Rick, the phone connection is a little strange. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. We can. Can you hear me? Okay. I can. Okay, go ahead. Partially, partially. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you mentioned the unique needs, Brian, and there are many reasons for homeless in the lacrosse area. I guess my question is with this program, what what's in place to differentiate between the chronic homeless and those in lacrosse that are housed now but may find themselves in a temporary financial situation, whether it's financial or other? Uh, what systems are in place with this program to differentiate between the two? Uh, chronic homeless and those housed now that may find themselves in a temporary unhoused situation. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call, Joe. Okay, but let's let's define these first, right? The, okay, the city of the, the city. I don't know if these numbers are the city or county. 
220 homeless in La Crosse? Is that about right? Yeah, that's our estimate for the city. Okay, and then do you when is the last time you did that, counted that number? So there's a point in time count where um, agencies go out and scour the city, the county, or really our four-county region and do that. That happened, last happened in July, and then there's another one happening in a couple weeks here at the end of January. Okay. So that 220 number is based in part off of that count, how many people we know to be in shelters in our community, and then an estimation of how many people we missed or might be in places that we aren't aware of currently. All right, pull that pull that real close, Brad. Um, and then do you think you need to do that count more often, or is, is it – is it just, is it hard to do? And therefore it would just like, you would get so many different, the numbers would be way off or is it not productive to do that more often? Or do you think maybe we should do it more? Often? I don't know that we need to do it more often. One of the strategies that we're going to put in place in this plan is to create a by name list of everybody who's in the community. So right now we have a decent idea through a different list of who's out there um, and what their needs are. And we really need to continue to build off of that and refine it. And so that's really our strategy is not to go out and do counts, but to get a better handle on, Who's out there? What are their needs? And what kind of housing solution are they looking for? So that's really our focus is to get a better handle on who's out there and what kind of housing solution, what kind of support do they need as well to maintain their housing? So that's where we're putting our emphasis on in this plan. It's almost like a job interview. You got to figure out, okay, here, this is, you know, Joe Smith. And then, you know, why is he, do you, do you do that? Is it almost a questionnaire? Yeah, is it, there's, there are different assessments that can be used as well. I would see it as more of a partnership, right, of a lot of times we need to figure out not only what kind of housing solution or spot that somebody wants or needs, but what kind of support. Like, do they need mental health support? Do they want treatment support? Do they need job training? Um, also, location, what kind of apartment, like all of that. So it's really a partnership and a conversation to get to know that person and what would it take for, to get them off of the streets and into housing. That's really our goal is a focus on permanent housing. And essentially, you have caseworkers that do that. I mean, that's what we do all the time. How how often are people apprehensive to to even to go that route to kind of like just talk with you know either city leaders or county leaders or anyone else that's working with the homeless any of the other entities? Yeah, that definitely happens. People are apprehensive, and I would say the biggest thing with that is that's not a fixed mindset. Like you aren't just apprehensive, and then you are going to be apprehensive the rest of your life. Like I've seen people, our outreach team does a really great job, led by independent living resources. I've seen people um, in going out with that team that won't engage at all. And then all of a sudden, in a couple of weeks, they'll start saying hi, saying hello. A couple more weeks, they'll start making small talk. And then soon enough, they'll be full-on engaged in housing conversations and looking at going to shelter. So it really can be a continuum of where you're at. But yeah, there definitely are people who are apprehensive and who are not currently in the spot to want or receive help. Um, I'm going to re- read this text. Well, I, we, I hear this question all the time. I don't know if it's important or not, but of the 220 people... And those people aren't unsheltered, right? There's this num- the undersheltered people, the people that are living on the streets. Is, that number's different. But of that 220, are they, you know, do you have a percentage of how many people are from the Lacrosse County, so to speak, or just maybe the Cooley region? We don't. That's that's something that we want to get a better handle on. Is um, what are, what are people's housing histories? What's worked for them in the past, and what will work for them in the future? That's one of the first steps that we've set out in the plan is to create what's what we're calling a by name list to get a better understanding of who is out there, where they're from, what are their needs, and what does that look like to move them into housing. I think what the the texture here is implying, and and what I I you know I get this question, people want to know this, I, and you could tell me if it's productive or not, but. Did this person get shipped here, essentially? Did somebody, did some 
somebody from across the state give them a bus ticket because they're here, they heard there were resources in lacrosse and therefore they were dropped off. Do you know how many people that that would be? We don't have an exact count. Um, is it a, you know, but we, we know that it happens. We know that people get dropped off or come here from neighboring communities for various reasons, some of them being that encampments are allowed here in La Crosse where they're not supported or allowed in other places. Sometimes it's because we have services here. Sometimes it's because where they're coming from in the neighboring communities, they don't have services, so they're trying to get them somewhere right. else. But we, we definitely know that that happens in La Crosse. Yeah, and then that's what everyone wants to know, though. They want to know, is it happening a lot? Is the 220 number 200? of them or people from outside the area or is it just is it few and, and far between is it seldom yeah that's something we don't have it, yeah. it would just be a guess on my part which wouldn't be productive um and so, is it is it do we need to know that number is that important I, so the the standpoint that we're coming at with the city and county plan with pathways home is that if you want to come to lacrosse to receive good services get back on your feet heal recover great like we would love it just like if you'd come to our community to attend our schools or work at our businesses but what we don't want in the future is to come here to be in encampments or live outside and not accept that help and services so that's really the mindset that we're at of we absolutely if you want to come here or if you are here and you want to receive services heal recover that's what we're here for and that's what we tailored our plan for brian sampson's the city of the crosses homeless coordinator they unveiled a plan called pathways home on monday uh through the city and county the city and the county have kind of taken a leadership role here on uh essentially getting the the city of lacrosse to functional zero which means essentially means uh more homeless people are finding shelter than people are becoming homeless right is that a and it, beyond that is the the then the goal to be at near zero as opposed uh, to functional zero, or is it always the goal of functional zero? Yeah, so one thing is not shelter, but permanent housing. That's the goal. Shelter may be a step to permanent housing. It definitely has an important role to play yeah, in the right. system, yeah. but it's more about getting people into housing with support. And functional zero, yeah, is, is a, I would say it's a maintained state. It's not, all right, you achieve it, wipe your hands, you're done, your community is good to go. You have to get there, and then you have to do the work to maintain it. Right. Um, and it's something that you have to continue to put the effort in. Because it is a tricky formula because if you if you uh don't help anyone then you would be at functional zero because well if you didn't well, you know that, like if, if you just if nobody's entering homelessness right. and you don't help anyone but yeah. people are continuing to stream in so if you're not helping anyone that's is the situation with homeless people a continuing stream are we seeing that number go up yeah, yeah. We is there an estimate of like each month we have two more homeless people or something like that? Yeah, so we have in our community, we have a data dashboard team that's done a great job of taking a look at who's or what are the numbers that are coming into our system every month? How many people are exiting? Because people are getting housed. Our community is housing people. Our agencies do a great job of working with people and helping find agency or find housing with the correct support. Um, but we're definitely seeing a bigger inflow than outflow. Okay. Um, and, and, of the 220 people homeless in, okay, is that the city or the county? The again? city. The city. Uh, 144 of them, or 114 of them are unsheltered, right? So they are yep. living on the streets, essentially. And yeah. that number is, is kind of scary, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, especially right now. I mean, we have been hit with snow. We have really cold temperatures coming up. Just anytime you're living outdoors, even even in the perfect weather, is not a good recipe uh, for health. And so that that number is definitely really high and, and very worrisome. Um, how many like temporary shelter, like Salvation Army, Catholic Charities? How many beds do they have? And is are these 114 people not in those situations? Yeah, so of the 114, that does not include people who are at Salvation Army or New Horizons or Catholic Charities in their warming center. That's people who are living in tents, 
people who are living in their cars, people who are living in places not meant for human habitation. That's okay. how that is defined. Okay, so the the rest of those people could be of the 220. So that okay, right. so it fills in the gaps. What's Lacrosse's capacity for temporary shelter? You know that off the top of your head? Yeah, so it, it really depends on the combination. So Salvation Army, I believe, for individuals, their capacity is about 48 or 50. And then they have spaces for families, too. So that kind of depends on the makeup of the families. New, New Horizons has several rooms in their facility as well. And that, again, depends on rooms, families, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Warming Center, their capacity is typically about the mid-30s, and they can go higher uh, for extreme weather. And and they stop once it gets warmer out, right? Like that? Yeah, they operate November 1st to about the end of april or end of march okay and how many entities like that not like that but like salvation army how many of those are there that help homeless people in in lacrosse when it comes to like shelters well yeah let's go there is it just those that you just named yep in in specifically in city lacrosse new horizons catholic charities who does specifically only the warming center for shelter and then salvation army and then beyond that how many other entities are like YWCA would be one, right? Like how many other entities are, are working with homeless people? Yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton. There's a lot of agencies that are working directly with people who are experiencing homelessness. And then there's a lot of crossover too, where maybe agencies don't specifically do that, but then they intersect with people who are experiencing homelessness or um, even at risk of like, that's really the best time. If we can be preventative as a community, that's probably the best thing that we can do is help people help people stay in their housing. So then they never have to go through the trauma of losing it. But there's a ton of agencies either directly or indirectly who work with people who are housing insecure or currently experiencing homeless or have experienced homelessness in their past. And is that one of the, the, the goals of this pathways home project was to get, everybody under that umbrella and then all right here's you know here's the plan and and, you know if you want to take part and you're already helping homeless in one way well we want to know that so that we can like better better utilize you right yeah we went through an intense mapping project to map all of the services in our community our community has done that before and then as services morph we kind of lose track of it but we really mapped who's out there who's doing what because part of the coordination moving forward will be to avoid duplication if we can avoid duplication we can open up those resources to apply them elsewhere whether that be human resources money resources whatever and so we really were intentional and strategic about understanding that but then also inviting all of these agencies to the table and they did a great job participating and their thoughts and strategies and solutions are reflected throughout the plan. So we really tried to reach out to all the agencies had, had a series of meetings um, to talk about different aspects of the homelessness response system and their solutions and ideas are reflected throughout the plan. Um, getting back to these numbers, 220 homeless in the city of La Crosse, 114 of those people just out on the streets right now. Um, what do you do with those? Like, how are those people doing? I mean, the weather, obviously you said it just snowed, uh, like what do you, what do the entities do to help those people? And just like, how are they doing right now? They're doing awful. It's, it's horrible to be outside. Like it's, even in the summer, it's awful. People we've, we had a record number of people pass away this past year in our community. People are struggling every single day. Just Yeah. To... I, I heard that number is in the thirties or something like that. Do you know what that number was? I don't have it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it, it was 
it was way too high. I mean, one is, is too high. And, and so that was really a big issue. So people are struggling out there every day. People in the summer were struggling from issues that they had in the past winter. So like, just because you think of typically, if you have an issue, you go into the hospital, get it addressed. Then you come to your clean home where it doesn't get infected, where you can continue to take care of it. But that doesn't happen for people who are staying outside. They have an issue. They go get addressed in the hospital. They don't have anywhere else to go. So they have to go back outside where then things continue to fester and it gets worse. So our community has put a lot of resources into trying to do what's called harm reduction or meet people's needs outside. Um, so there's a, there's a homeless outreach team that goes out on Wednesdays and Fridays for three hours each time to wherever people are in the city of La Crosse to try to meet their needs and connect them to services, help them find housing, whatever they need. There's a mobile medical team that goes out to help people with their health needs on the street as well. Um, treatment services that go out there. Our community does a good job of wrapping around that support outside. With this plan, what we want to do with the plan is transition that support to indoors. You're a lot more effective no matter what you're doing. If you can meet somebody's needs in permanent housing or in a safe and stable spot. So that's really the, the transition and shift that we want to do is instead of working hard to meet people's needs outside that we know is not going to be sustained, how can we get people indoors and then wrap that support around them? 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to talk. Brian Sampson is the City of La Crosse's homeless coordinator. We're going to take a break. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to La Crosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Brian Sampson's La Crosse, City of La Crosse homeless coordinator. He's hanging out in studio this hour. We're talking about the – we haven't really talked about the, the the project itself, the Pathways Home Plan, the, the five-year – I guess, do we start the clock now on the five-year plan to get to functional zero and, and hopefully zero, zero? Yeah, the goal is to get to functional zero by 2029. Okay, so, and, and the number of unsheltered people in La Crosse is 114. The number of homeless people in the city of La Crosse is around 220. Tessa did ask, or no, Jack did ask, what is the difference between homeless and unsheltered? So we have two different numbers. So, uh, yeah, break that down. So homeless is really the umbrella term overall, and then it can break down into two categories. So people who are unsheltered, which is people sleeping in tents, parks, parking ramps, cars, any place that's not meant for human habitation. So it's homeless, and then unsheltered is a subcategory, and then sheltered is another subcategory on that, people who are at Salvation Army or in other shelters. And that's just one way to break it down. There's a lot of verbiage in different ways, but that's just one common way to break it down. Now, the the Pathways Home five-year plan... I imagine there's tiers here. Where do you, where do you start? What's the first? You, you, you kind of already started. You've unveiled the plan. You have a plan, but like, what's step one here? Our first step is to create that by name list of people who are experiencing homelessness in our community, get to know their needs, figure out all of that stuff. And then that will really inform a lot of the other steps that we have in the plan. That'll inform what kind of services do we need more of in our community? What kind of housing options do we need more of in our community? What kind of supports do we need? All of that. So that's really our first step. And we've set out to have that completed by April 1st is to have a by name list in place by April 1st, as well as a command center case conferencing type structure to begin moving people from outdoors or in shelters to permanent housing. Okay. So January, February, March, so three months, but I mean this of the 220 people, you probably have like a pretty good start on that already, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. We're not completely blind in there. We have a good understanding or good idea, but we need better. We need to know exactly who's out there, exactly what are their needs. And we really need to shift that focus to helping people get into permanent housing. So a lot of like with that plan and with a lot of the other strategies, there's a lot of great things happening in our community that we're going to build off. We're not starting from scratch with this plan. We're taking these great things that are already happening and building off of them moving forward. 
Okay, so step one, getting to know who's out there and the needs that they, you know, aside from shelter or housing, uh, what else they might need, other resources, whether it's medical, mental treatment, alcohol treatment, drug treatment, stuff like that. I don't know what other kinds of treatment there would be. Um, what, then what's the next step? I mean, there's probably, there's probably intertwined a little bit, too. I understand that. Yeah, we have a bunch of concurrent steps going on. So that's just one of the first steps that we're looking at. We're also looking at how can we better use the faith community to rally around. They have said over and over again, let us help. We want to be helpful. We want to infuse, in, this is one of the strategies, caring connections. How can we build caring connections for people in our community? So there, it's not like we're just doing one step at a time. We're doing that. concurrent planning. So that's another one that we're starting off with right away as well. We're also looking at a temporary surge in shelters. Is that possible? Can we temporary add? Add, temporarily add shelter spots in our community to help people get off the streets quicker. We don't have a timeline for that. That's just a solution that we're exploring. Um, but there are different spots that we're looking at. How can we add housing stock? One of the biggest ones is we have three primary strategies identified to add housing. Number one, looking at city or agency-held leases. If that doesn't work, looking at can agencies buy houses and rent to people who are experiencing homelessness. If that doesn't work, then also looking at building brand new from ground up. So those are three of the primary strategies we have targeted to close the housing gap. And when you, when you talk about these housing, like either buying them and, and offering them for rent, would these be more permanent or bridge housing or both or... It would depend on the individual. That's where we really want to be individualistic on who we're serving. It might be, it might turn out to be somebody's permanent home forever. It might just be their next stop until they can get on their feet or whatever. So it would really depend on each individual. Um, on top of everything else, all of this is going to cost money. So is there, where's that revenue stream going to come from? Yeah, so that's part of the task that we'll be taking on is coordinating and making recommendations about where different funding streams can come from and what they can pay for. So that way everybody knows if one organization is funding something, they know exactly what their money is going to, um, exactly how many people it's helping, but then also how it complements everybody else's money and where everyone else's money is going to because they all are going to complement each other and move further than just one individual funding or donation. So we'll help coordinate and make recommendations for that. Our community is already paying one way or another. The amount of money that our community puts in for people constantly using the emergency rooms when they're sleeping outdoors, for um, trash pickup from parks, from police responses, like our community is already pouring in a ton of money on the issue. We just have to figure out how to spend that money more efficiently and effectively. When I talked to the Milwaukee County Housing Administrator, um, I forget his name, um, but anyway, he, he said that you just need to put people in housing. So lacrosse's biggest problem is just to have some kind of like where you could put something in, in into an apartment, right? Like that's the biggest problem. Yeah. One of the biggest differences. So we're, we're trying to implement a lot of the things that Milwaukee County did. One of the biggest differences is they had places to put people. Lacrosse does not. We have the river on one side. We have bluffs on the other. We don't have room to grow like other cities do, or we don't have a, we didn't have a shrinking population. So I think that's one of the biggest differences. And one of our biggest struggles is lack of housing, specifically lack of affordable housing. The the next step there, or, or, or the, the, that the part of the same process there was once you, you put those people in the housing and you just give it to them, you just let them, you pay the rent essentially for those people for, until they can get back on their feet. Is that, is that kind of the same idea here? So we're operating under a housing first philosophy, which is not, does not mean just like free housing handouts, all of that. 
typically housing first how it operates is you have to pay 30 percent of your income you are working a plan um there are rules and requirements it's not just here do whatever you want you have to abide by the same rules as everybody else those same laws everything is still in place we also want to wrap around supports for people so getting housing is just the first step it's not housing only it's housing first is it's impossible to ask somebody to get job training to um, go to counseling to get treatment if they're living outdoors in a tent every single night and having to go back to that tough situation that traumatic situation so it's how can we help you get in housing to get get your feet under you and then continue to help you heal and recover or achieve whatever goals you have uh when he, when he said that too and he was like it does and he kind of threw out you know he's like even if it's two years you just get these people housing and, and you kind of pay the rent and you let them kind of get back on their feet, however that is. And, you know, there's got to be rules to it. And, and maybe they got to check in or maybe, you know, talk to a, um, a, a handler. What are they called? Case manager. Uh, case manager handler. Um, but, but on top of that, the, 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 the flip side of that is back to the cost, right? Because I, I just read this and tell me if this number is right. If, if so, so we have 114 under, unsheltered. So essentially like somebody living uh, in a tent outside. Each one of those 114 costs about thirty to forty thousand dollars just in other services. I suppose that you know you could. In, is that a month? Is that a year? What is that? Can you explain that number? Yeah, so that's based off of a national estimate: thirty to forty thousand a year for each person per year. So you'd take that 114 times it by whatever number you want to use, and that would be our annual cost for serving this population outdoors, which is a heck of a lot more expensive to even pay for somebody's rent and a case manager and right. services. I mean, that's housing. like a, an okay ish salary here, 30, 34,000. So for, and, but that's a national average too. Is that number a little bit lower here because the cost of living is a little bit cheaper here or, you know, when you talk about healthcare, I don't know if it's any cheaper here than anywhere else. Yeah. I think there's arguments to be made on both ends. It just depends on what perspective. Yeah. That, that might be it. It also, our community specifically has a large chronic chronically homeless population, which means we have a lot of people who've been outdoors for a very long time, which means they're probably using services at an even higher frequency. So what that takes into account is like emergency room stays, going in and out of emergencies, um, fire and police responses, park responses, all of that. So when you have a lot of people with higher needs like we do in our community, those those you could also make a case that that price might be even higher. It's it's yeah. difficult to say one way or the other. Yeah, and and that's always my when I even when I talk to state legislators and I said, "Hey, the plan here is just get them housing, pay for their rent, let them get back on their feet, work with them to help them get back on their feet, but they're essentially in free housing until they could start paying for housing." And, uh, you know, that, and then it was kind of an eye roll. But the alternative of that is they're on the streets outside and it's costing the community a lot more or maybe, yeah, probably more money. But it's hard to it's hard to understand how that thirty six thousand dollars or thirty to forty thousand dollars of someone living on the street versus, you know, the the selfish thing like, Brian, I've got to pay rent. Like, why wouldn't this person have to pay rent? But like they, they have no means to it. So the alternative is we pay for it in a different way that it's hard to relate to, you know? Yeah. And we're not saying that rent is going to be free for all 114 people. Yeah, that's, 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 what I, that's part of what we have to determine as far as what are those different programs going to look like? Cause it's not just going to be one program. There's going to be a lot of programs. That's why it's pathways as in multiple pathways yeah. forward or, or home. Um, and so none of that is figured out. We have to, First, get a good handle on who is out there, what kind of housing solutions and supports do they want and need, and then how do we move forward in getting those in place in our community after that? Yeah, and I, I throw out the free rent thing because that was just a very easy way for the Milwaukee County housing manager to to like help me understand this. 
uh, like free rent isn't free for anyone, but essentially like if somebody's homeless and they don't have anything, the first, the, the first step would be to just get them in housing and it's not going to be able to, they, they can't afford because they don't have anything. So how are they going to pay for it? So, uh, just the easy way to quantify that. All right, we're going to take a break and, uh, I'm going to read some text here when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Brian Sampson's the City of Lacrosse Homeless Coordinator hanging out this hour, kind of dis- breaking down a little bit of the Pathways Home Project, uh, Pathways Home Plan, the five-year plan to essentially end homelessness. Uh, the, the, the phrase there is all f- often functional zero. I think you throw that out there. Uh, and, and I think people are starting to understand. It's more, it, it's the plus minus, right? The NBA box score, the plus minus. You want to be on, I guess you want to be on the minus side. Where an NBA box score, you want to be on the plus side. I guess depending on how, what, what the plus would represent. But you, you want more people getting into housing than getting out of housing or onto the streets. Right. Um, Tessa did text in. She has asked Brian about the $3 million in ARPA funds to buy housing for the unsheltered. Uh, is that going to help? Uh, I think that's county money, right? The county is using three million. Uh, the county's doing a couple of different different ways. Is there a reason why? The, is it harder for the city to kind of go this path that the county is doing? There, I mean, they have a a healthcare center, right? The Hillview Healthcare Center, so they have that already. The city doesn't have a a health and human services position, right? Like that's not a city thing. Yeah, so the county's putting $3 million of the ARPA funding into what they're calling their Thriving Families Program, which is for bridge housing for families who are experiencing homelessness or at risk of homelessness. So that, that project, I think it was last year at some point that they allocated that money to Catholic Charities and Cooley Cap. And that, so they've already begun that project. I believe they've begun purchasing housing, helping families get moved in. And so they, they're starting that. And that'll definitely be extremely helpful as those houses continue to come online. Um, so here's the thing too, right? Like the county is doing that and they're working with Catholic charities and what'd you say? Cooley cap, right? And yep. essentially those two groups will then, um, but this is part of, this is part of your pathways project, right? Is, is that, okay, but we need to know that, right? Like as a city, I understand the county is doing that, but like before this happened, the city and the county, I guess, you know, maybe before the pandemic, the city and the county just had little to do with homelessness or the city at least. Is that, is that true? I would say, I wouldn't say that we had little to do with homelessness. We were at the table. The city was at the table. I can only speak for the city as an employee there. They're at the table having conversations, helping however they could. The real, the shift now is that we are leading the conversations. We're taking that coordinating role, that accountability role, helping our community or helping us be more transparent along the issue for the entire community. So that's really the shift. Before we were at the table, now we're trying to coordinate the table. Right. And, and part of that coordination would be something like, oh, Cooley Cap, you're going to get a million and a half dollars. to. Can you tell us the plan? Right. Like, then you want to know their plan? Uh, yeah. So part of it, I think, is, all right, here's exactly what we want or need in our community based off of that by name list and that data. Who in our community can meet that need and then driving resources to whatever agency is able to, to meet that need. That's what we want to do. We have great agencies in our community who are doing great work, who have really great areas of expertise. So that's what we need to figure out what we need more of then say who can meet this need, who can create more of this that we need, and then drive money and resources to those agencies. This is maybe very general, but like, what's the most difficult part of, of this five-year plan? Is it is it funding? Is it literal physical structures to put people in? Is it the the fact that the number keeps growing? I don't know. Yeah, I think the toughest part will be sustainability. I think our community has a lot of great energy around this right now. There's been great partnerships with the agencies. Um, we've heard some great things from funders. So I, I think that 
we'll be able to get it off the ground. That coordination piece will definitely be a challenge and something that the city and the county will be owning and looking at from keeping people in housing to when people are homeless on the street to getting people in housing to helping them keep their housing, all of it. Um, but I really think the toughest part will be, well, creating those housing options, but then also the sustainability of the projects. Well, we've already seen the city kind of, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know how to say it nicely, but the city tried to do, I think it was a city county effort to buy the chamber of commerce, the old chamber yeah. building. And then someone came in and paid cash for it and kind of swooped in. And then you, then the city said, okay, we'll try to do a thing on our own and tried to buy the Maple Grove motel. And then that ended up being too run down to do what you wanted. Um, so you, you have seen like outside entities try to like almost push against what you're trying to do too. Yeah. We've learned every step of the way we've, We've been at the table. We've been trying things. They haven't always been successful, but we haven't given up. Um, continue to come back to the table to try different solutions. And this solution that we feel confident in is it's a comprehensive plan that doesn't just involve the city trying to do something. It's really the, our entire community and how can our entire community move forward. Um, I always hear this, and I, I think all the shopcos are full, but, you know, hey, we need buildings. We need, we need places to put people Buy one of the shopcos. Uh, is like what is the what? It, what does it look like for this plan to buy physical structures? With this plan, we're not looking to just buy one building and warehouse a bunch of people. The last thing we're trying to do is move an encampment from outdoors to indoors. That's I think where we've evolved in our in our thinking and our processing. And so we'll be looking at different solutions based off of the needs of people. And so that's again where that first step. I keep coming back to the buy nameless because that's really going to drive everything else of. Do we need different sites throughout the city? I think we've learned as a community that having one spot isn't the most productive for our community as a whole and for people who are experiencing homelessness and staying in those situations. Um, so that's really what we're looking at is what is what do we need to tailor to our community? Does it look more like uh, we're going to buy an apartment building or we're going to build an apartment building or we're going to build like many, many houses or do we not know that step yet? Yeah, so this goes back to, I think, what I was sharing earlier about we kind of have three primary strategies laid out of, number one, either city or agency-held leases to rent from private landlords of units that are currently on the market. If that's not a possibility, then looking at agencies purchasing units and then being able to rent those out or houses being able to rent those out. And then our third strategy that we're looking at would then be, yeah, building brand new um, for this situation. And I think the first avenue there you the city has tried that a little bit and that's i don't know has that been successful because you've you've offered like kind of an insurance plan for landlords if they rent to people who are you know probably don't have the best background record or who, who are homeless right i don't know that 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 has that been not going very well that's worked. I mean, we've we've housed, I believe, eight people since that program opened up, and there are still spots that are open. That's a landlord mitigation program. Um, so that's worked. And and to be clear, like the the leases are not going to be the be all end all. That's just one piece to the puzzle. We're going to need really a little bit of everything to make this really come together. And so that's just one piece of the puzzle. And what we want to do from the coordination aspect is a lot of times where a community has failed in the past is putting somebody who maybe has too high of needs in apartment unit, and then it sets everyone up everyone up for failure. Landlords get frustrated. People who are living there get frustrated. And so we want to be able to really match people with the right level of housing and the correct case management or supportive services that they need. Is there any idea of like what all of this would cost? Not yet. That's where we need to get back into those specifics. I know I keep going to that, but that's really going to drive everything from being a strategy on paper to being able to put it into action. And you mentioned April 1st would be the date your the, the, is the one date you've mentioned at this point is just kind of getting to know 
the the either the 220 or the 114 people in the community that are un- unsheltered or homeless right now um is there other dates like is there a timeline here of this is when we would start to do you know the next step yeah so the, our next step after that when it comes specifically to our by nameless is getting a data platform platform up and running um, to be able to track that consistently moving forward. I believe we have that set for July 1st. Um, I'd have to look at the plan specifically, but there are a couple of dates that are set out there. We don't have everything set out because um, number one, it's all going to depend on that that data that we get and exactly who we're trying to work with. Um, that'll really kind of dictate the rest of the plan once we get that in place. Is that the dashboard you were talking about? Like kind of that the da- yeah, the dashboard is one piece that we're going to bring in. Like, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. That's already out there. A good group has already created that and put that together. Does that just kind of show how many people are coming in and out of homelessness? It shows a lot. So it shows the number of people coming into homelessness, number of people going out of homelessness, where are people coming in from, whether it be new to homelessness, whether it be they're returning from housing. Um, it shows kind of where people are going out to, whether that be to housing, to other places. So it really gives us a lot of good information that we can work off of. I guess, and then the last thing before I let you go is the success stories. We don't we don't often hear about that or just it, just that, it, it, and whether they're stories or just numbers, like, uh, and that, I think that would be part of the dashboard. Uh, I think people want to know that, like, how are we, how are we doing? How many people have come in this month that are experiencing homelessness now? And how many people have gotten out of that? I don't know. Is that something that the community would be able to see? Yeah. We want to be transparent with the plan and where the progress. So we'll have system performance measures that we'll be releasing, ways for the community to track that of where you can go to a place and look at that. Like, where, what are our numbers at now? How many people each month or whatever that looks like? So that's really what we want to be responsible for is to be accountable at every level and transparent. All right. That's Brian Sampson, City's Homeless Co- Coordinator. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you.